greeting you once again from our Brantman Studios where we tackle contentious and relevant issues that affects our Christian world on a daily basis. The topic for discussion this morning all about the gap between the pulpit and the pew. The majority of people today say they come to church to hear the word of God. However, entertainment is plentiful today. The news media are vast. People are busy and time is valuable. They do not need to go to church to be entertained, to hear news, commentaries or lectures on social, political or economic situations of the nation and of the world. Thinking men and women today resent the minister who uses his pulpit as a springboard to expound his views. They soon lose respect for the messenger and his message as they see him taking advantage of his position of influence in such a way. Clergy's attempt to use the church as a power structure. This pitfall has weakened the ethos of the ministry, causing people to lose confidence in the church, the preacher, and his message. Let it be said, both in the world and in the church today, most preaching is considered trivial and irrelevant. The general level of preaching is at a dangerous low ebb, and as someone said not so long ago, quote-unquote, preaching is stagnating, end of quote. The gap between the pulpit and the pew is so wide that it is not strange to find many people today thinking of preaching as something of the past. South Africa has never had so many churches, and yet most of them are empty. South Africa has never had so many preachers, and yet most of them are ignored. Could it be that the basic cause for this tragic condition is the lack of a vital theology of preaching? The following open letter to the World Council of Churches and the National Council of Churches reminding the leaders of the role of the church today appeared in none other than the New York Times. The church has been commissioned to go out into the world, not to preach sociology, but salvation, not economics, but evangelism, not reform, but redemption, not culture, but conversion, not progress, but pardon, not the new social order, but the new birth, not resuscitation, but resurrection, not a new organization, but a new creation, not democracy, but the gospel, not civilization, but Christ. We are ambassadors, not diplomats. This letter, signed by thousands of laymen, present in perspective the dilemma prominent today as to the proper role of the church in the world, the preacher and the message. In the development of practical theology, of preaching, three principal reasons for the decline in its effectiveness stands out clearly. Number one, the sense of human peril that should instill a sense of urgency on the part of the ministry that seems to be waning. Number two, the clergy's loss of confidence in the power of the spoken word. 
And number three, the clergy's attempt to use the church as a springboard of authority and power in influencing the social, economic, and political issues. Stay tuned as Brunpunt look at the gap between the pulpit and the pew. Don't stray or go away. We'll be back with our respondents right after this. Well, we're back in the uh, program, uh, Brunpunt, and as uh, promised, all the way from uh, Bloemfontein, Neville Goodchild online. Neville, good morning to you, and thank you for joining us here at Brunpunt. Just in a nutshell, for those who have never met you face-to-face, your background, bio, and your involvement with the body of Christ here on earth, please. Good morning, Vainant. Uh, what a privilege to be in this conversation. Uh, to all our listeners, uh, great to spend some time with you. Vainant, I've been in ministry for 22 years uh, this year. I uh, studied theology at then called Rao Afrikaans University in the 90s. So yeah, I'm uh, currently with Levende Woord Ministry South Africa, Living Woord in Bloemfontein to be specific. And um, we've been involved in this specific church here for 10 years this year. So that is our part in the body. I'm ministering, obviously, as a, as a teacher and a visionary leader in our local church here, and then involved in church leadership development, strategic development, and so forth in the wider body of Christ. Can't think of anybody better to speak to than a place called Levende Word, the living word of God itself. We're speaking about the gap between the pulpit and the pew. Neville, what is your experience? Could it be that the basic cause for this tragic condition is a lack of vital theology, a theology of preaching? What is your understanding? But no, yeah, very, uh, uh, very real issue the church is struggling with right now, especially right now. I think the COVID situation recently accentuated the reality that a gap has been developing over years between the pulpit and the pew. And as with many things in life, we get used to it and, uh, you know, we don't see it as it is. We, uh, I think we've become accustomed to uh, empty churches, low attendance and so forth. And eventually uh, we've become accustomed to uh, irrelevant church in our modern society. So I agree, there is a gap developing and a very visible gap developing between the pulpit and the pew. And um, there's more things than theology. um, I'm sure there's more influences playing out than one or two mistakes. Uh, There's a reality that we are missing from the church's side. And I don't think it's, you know, it's not not rocket science. It is an obvious thing, I believe, that the church is missing in its approach to society and to individuals. Neville, we're talking in the intro of this program about the entertainment that is plentiful today and, and media vast. We're talking about the TV evangelists, the TV preachers, so on and so forth. And so people feel they don't need to go to church to be entertained anymore. Hear news commentaries. There is an understanding that in many places the gospel is only an application to social problems. What is your take on it? Do you think we're still preaching the undiluted gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? But I think yeah, part of the problem, as you just mentioned, is the, the role that media and social media specifically is playing. I think we're moving into a new era after the TV evangelism era. We're moving into a social media evangelism era and uh, you know, more of the same, just different mediums. But yes, the gospel has been presented as something that should make people feel good. It, it has become a, a sensational kind of addition to people's social and political and emotional problems. And I think one of the core things is that the calling of the church was to reveal to humanity 
that we have a spiritual need, not an emotional need. So the, the spiritual need is neglected because uh, I, th- I think that is the, the, the true calling on the church is uh, revealing to humanity that our need, our cry is, is a spiritual need. It's a reconciliation with our father, which is a purely spiritual reality in the first place. Obviously, it's got influence in our secular world eventually, but it's not initially secular. It is initially it is a spiritual reality that needs to be revealed. And uh, it's 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 difficult to you know reveal spiritual truths and and share spiritual experiences through media. We do have connections through media. We do have a better reach you know of the spoken word through media. But we struggle to convey a spiritual revelation and a spiritual experience through media. Unfortunately, or maybe it's fortunately, um, our spiritual experiences is shared where we are practically together. It's in the gathering of the church. It is, uh, and and not any gathering. You know, we can gather for coffee if we want to. That's not going to be a necessarily a spiritual experience or a revelation. But uh, in the right context of gatherings, uh, we can share uh, the spiritual experience, which is one of the greatest benefits of church. So what would you say to those that are shouting from social media platforms that most preaching today is trivial and irrelevant? I do agree to some extent with that because, you know, it, it depends on the agenda of the preacher or the, the institution or the structure. So the agenda should be aligned with kingdom. If the agenda has become, you know, became something different, you know, and there's a lot of agendas. There's, there's political agendas, uh, you know, very visible in, in, in uh, Africa, especially, you know, that the, the church becomes a political voice or platform. So we are very well aware of that, especially, I think, in, in southern Africa. There's social agendas. You know, people uh, gather people for other reasons than for the kingdom to come and the kingdom to be preached or economic agendas. There's a, there's a lot of options, you know, or, or reasons why people don't get to the kingdom agenda. So my experience is where the focus is pure and, and, and understandable. You know, there's a clear focus that preaching in these environments supports and proves what the real agenda is. You know, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't believe something or, you know, strive towards a agenda and not communicate it. Uh, you can't communicate something different. You know, the, the effects will prove what is the agenda. So, you know, there's a, a, a saying that say you, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, communicate or preach measles, uh, you know, and, and the people will get mumps. <laughs> that's not the, yeah. that's not the way it works. You know, yeah. if you, if you've got measles, the people will get measles. Neville, you made mention of COVID-19. Somewhat of the blame goes to COVID-19, but never before in South Africa, so many churches. And truth is, many of them are empty. Never before in South Africa so many preachers. Truth is, most of them are ignored. Should we go back to the old ways, the Hebrews 10.25, the gathering? You've talked about that, of believers coming together. What is the answer, the solution to the problem? What is the gap between the pulpit and the pew? But not, yes, there's some, some truth in what you say. I just want to say again that I don't believe that the problem was COVID. COVID was an incredible opportunity for the church. Unfortunately, you know, in, in some degree, a missed opportunity, but for, uh, I'm convinced an incredible opportunity. So in our own congregation, we have experienced growth through the past two, two and a half years. 
And but some of that growth, uh, we have to uh, give credit to the fact that we started to broadcast through media. So media is not the enemy. Social media is not the enemy. Social media can be a platform. It's, it's a medium if the agenda is aligned with kingdom. The problem is because there's a you know greater reach, a, a, a further reach, uh, more people getting reached uh, is usually you know was, or in many cases it's abused. You know the the agenda is revealed and it's not a kingdom agenda. So so I think what happened is that COVID accentuated the the already existing problem in church. The, the fact that people could not come to church, the the fact that many churches did not have the resources to broadcast the past year or especially in the in the hard lockdown lockdown season. So some churches just grew silent. And yes, there's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of empty churches. There's a lot of churches struggling to recover after COVID. There's no strategies. There's uh, a lack of leadership. There's many things that uh, could speak into the problem. Uh, I still believe that the calling of the church, you know, what we would call the why, why church should be answered clearly to the church leadership. The church leadership should answer it to themselves uh, globally. And we should communicate the why of church to the world. Church should be relevant. Church has got an incredible role to play, especially because of the COVID situation. So I think we should return to the why of church, you know, and, and start to discover from that side, from that approach, you know, the relevance of church and eventually discover uh, what is this gap between pulpit and, and pew. So some of the, you know, of the why could be simply answered to, you know, to hear the word of God. The, the world should hear the word of God, simply stated. But, but there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of information that, that could be added to that statement. You know, traditionally, we would think that to hear the word of God would only be traditional scripture reading, reading from the scripture. And then somebody has heard the, the word of God, but the word of God is not static. The word of God is not only the written word of God. The word of God is also a revelation. The word of God should also play a prophetic role. And what I mean with that is visionary, uh, so visionary spiritual experience, which we, which we translate as leadership in church. The prophetic should partake in that role and create hope. It's not just scripture reading. It is creating hope. So part of the gap between the pulpit and the pew is that people traditionally could hear the word being read or you know spoken, preaching. But the question is, is it revelation? In other words, is it alive? It, is, it the, is it the living word of God? You know, it's, it's, it's easy to say the word of God is alive. You know, it's just a saying. But, but if the word of God is alive, it should be relevant. But then again, there's a, a waning of ministers, of clergies. I'm talking about the clergy's loss of confidence in the power of the spoken word. Is this a, a generalization? Is there power in the spoken word, Neville? I, I, th- I think there's truth in that. As, uh, you know, and, 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 and again, it brings us back to the, the whole issue of agenda. If the church has got a political agenda, or a social agenda, you would see, clearly see in, in, you know, in, in our current situation that, you know, churches don't stand for what they believe. Churches compromise on what the word says and that reveals that the agenda of that church's existence is not necessarily purely or only kingdom. There is another agenda. So we need to be kingdom, but also politically correct. 
While you're talking uh, about another agenda, clergy's attempt to use the church as a power structure, a position of, of influence. I want to point to the letter that was written to the World Council of Churches and the National Councils of Churches that appeared in the New York Times. The church being commissioned to go out into the world to preach theology, not salvation. You know the whole story. Uh, can I say this? Is there any truth, the great menace to Christian preaching today? is the tendency to dwell on only the things of this world. What would you say to that? There's truth in that too. The, the church has, has got more than one mission. The church has got a uh, mandate to go, but the church also has a mandate to gather. So yeah. part of that is true, you know, but the other side is as true. Uh, you know, we, we should, we should uh, focus as much on the gathering of believers in church as we should focus on sending the believers out to the world. You know, there was a saying, somebody said correctly, that the church should lead sinners to repentance. In other words, to Jesus. Uh, we should lead the world to Jesus. The first repentance is from the world to Jesus. That's salvation. But there's another repentance that the church should preach, and that is from Jesus to the church. You know, we can't only worship Jesus on our own, that I can do on my own. But, but there's value and spiritual value in the fact that we gather together as a church, as a body. So yeah. much of New Testament preaching is about the body of Christ. So from I need to repent to Jesus, but from Jesus, I, I also need to kind of repent to the church, you know. Uh, otherwise, my my following of Jesus, my my belief and my faith can become self-focused, self-centered. So I, I also need to embrace the church. I need to serve in the church. I need to be part of the body. But there's another thing that needs to happen, and there's a third repentance that needs to take place in the church, and that is repenting from the church back to the world. And, and what that means is that I can't just stay church. That will become irrelevant as well. The church needs to go out back into the world again. So this is a, a cycle. It's not a, a, a you know a singular truth. It's a it's a cycle of events that should all be reflected in the existence of the church. For me personally, there is a, you know there's some revelation in 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 the early church in Acts. I would refer for for the church to be relevant in the time and age that we are living in. I would refer the church back to Acts two. Talking about the church being back to the world, we, we're talking in essence about the sense of human peril that should still be a sense of urgency on the part of ministry, and that seems to be waning. Is it the way we find in Timothy that Paul's writing, he says, in the last days people will gather unto themselves preachers that soothe their ears, mm. fables, yeah. and that have we lost the sense of human peril? Is God still the center of the message? Mm. I think, you know, something that excites me is that, that I sense out of my activity and involvement in church leadership development that the fastest growing churches in the world do have an active missions, you know, or do have active missions activities. There, there is a, there's a, there's a mission to reach the world in the fast-growing churches right yeah. around, around the world. And I think we've got beautiful examples in our own country of churches that is really growing, you know, going from strength to strength. And, and there's a common characteristic in these churches, and one of them is definitely the fact that Jesus Christ is preached as the answer. Jesus Christ is referred to as our hope and our salvation. So we, that message is preached, we do see that the church grow. But on the other hand, where repentance, and, and I want to mention one specific term, where rebirth 
is not preached. Yeah. We tend to see that the church is becoming irrelevant. Because right. there's no other way to communicate the hope in Jesus Christ than to accept his invitation of repentance. So where the church still holds on to that mandate, preach Jesus Christ, you know, bring people to repentance, baptize them and make them disciples. Where churches, uh, you know, hold on to and commit to that initial mandate, we do see growth. All right. But then again, we live in a modern day and age. Mankind don't like to be told that they are sinners. There are even churches that's just speaking about the unchurched. Mm -hmm. How do we bring a message of repentance if the pew doesn't like to be called a sinner? Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I'm also glad you asked that. Uh, not, I, I think part of the struggle uh, comes exactly from there, from, from theology. So part of our problem is not the practical. The practical is just a percentage of that. The, the other part is theological. So uh, we are struggling right now in the church in, in, this, in this era. We are struggling with a mixture of condemnation and love. So the same church that preaches condemnation and law and rejection will preach, next Sunday will preach the gospel of grace. So the world never develops trust in this, what we would love to call a loving father. Because, you know, people, people receive this rejection and people receive this condemnation. The gospel of the New Testament, according to Jesus and Paul, is a gospel of grace. So what about truth? It is called the gospel of grace. But all truth in the environment of grace is truth in love. It is never truth isolated. It is never truth alone. It is never truth as a singular or a alone standing concept. That becomes condemnation. So the church sometimes love to condemn or show the faults, you know, or accentuate what is out of place. That is, that is only revealing truth. Uh, in the New Testament, we discover that truth is wrapped, presented in love. So in the New Testament, in the gospel of grace, you will always discover grace before truth. So important what you're saying now. To clergy listening to you right now, evangelists, Christians listening to you right now, sum it up for us. How do we close that gap that seemed to be getting ever bigger and bigger? How do we close that gap then between the pulpit and the pew? Your final words. My, my simple uh, answer to that is discover the gospel of grace and preach it. The gospel of grace. The New Testament gospel is a gospel of grace. It does not condemn. Where condemnation is preached without the love and the grace of God, the church will, the church will be closed. It will become irrelevant. Jesus carried our burden of condemnation upon him. He gives us the liberty to present his love to the world. It is the goodness of God that will draw nations unto him. That's scripture. The word says it is the goodness of God that will draw nations, not churches, not full pews, that will draw nations to him. Pastor Neville Goodchild from Bloemfontein, thank you so much for sharing your heart. So I want to close off with these words. Preach as never sure to preach again as a dying man to a dying world. With this passion for souls, we should mount our pulpits with the awful feeling that under God's appointment, we are dealing with men in terms of life and death. Thank you so much, Neville for talking to us about the gap between the pulpit and the pew. And we trust that uh, through your insert this morning, God will have touched hearts. Thank you so much once again.
Bueno, thank you so much. It was a privilege.